now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Welcome to the only show that doesn't care about ratings. Our sole purpose is to save souls, on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. Connect with the show on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Periscope, or by calling 513-900-8070. Man, it feels like I haven't done a real show in so long. In fact, just a few days ago, I was being interviewed by someone, and they asked me which episode to download so that they could listen to some of the street interviews, and that's when I realized that I actually hadn't done any street interviews in a long time, like two months ago. And I'm ashamed to admit that it's been so long since I last did street interviews. Thankfully, by God's grace, I actually did go out last week and get some street interviews. So I'm back on track, but it still upsets me that I've been slacking off for months without even realizing it. While I've still been putting episodes out there with some great content and information... I hope that you'll still forgive me for getting away from what Witness Radio is supposed to be all about. You're listening to Witness Radio. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. If someone were to ask you what it means to be born again, what would you say? I constantly tell people that they need to be born again while in witnessing conversations. But do they really understand what I'm saying? How would you define or explain being born again? Call or text 513-900-8070 with your best answer. We're asking people whether or not they have been born again, and what does that term mean? Uh, I have no idea what that means. You have no idea what it means? No. So then it's safe to say you have not been born again? No. Actually, I just realized I'm late for the shuttle, so... Alrighty. Thank you so much, Drew. Alrighty. Well, that went over as well as I expected. Uh, jumping right into the spiritual like that tends to make people run far and fast. But let's see if I can find someone else to talk to. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com.
I will say that in the Christian, uh, certain Christian religions, that if you don't become born again, you go to hell. And then they, pre they preach that, that, that if you don't become born again and you don't accept Jesus as your Savior, it doesn't matter who you are, you're, you're damned. So, so there, there are a lot of things um, in a lot of religions that are disturbing. Welcome back to Witness Radio. We're talking about the definition of being born again today. And I think part of our problem with being able to give a clear and concise meaning behind this term is because there's so many people out there that use it wrongly, including cults and false religions. You see, some people think you're talking about reincarnation, while others consider it to be nothing more than a simple lifestyle change. Here's one example of a bad definition. Have you been born again? Yes, I have, actually, a couple of years ago. What does born again mean? Actually finding yourself compared to what everyone else think that you, thinks that you were before. Like actually knowing who you want to be in the future, basically. So what does it really mean to be born again? Well, it's something that happens when you repent of your sinful nature and trust in Jesus Christ. It's when God regenerates you, when he changes you from the inside out. Being born again isn't something that you do in and of yourself. Just like when you were first born, you had nothing to do with that. And it happens in an instant. You went from unborn to born, and it is that same scenario with being born again. Except this time, you're born of the Spirit and not of water. Being born of the Spirit happens instantaneously. When God regenerates you, He is creating in your body, in your flesh, a new creation, a new person. You see, you no longer desire to do the will of the devil. You no longer desire to do your own will. You now desire to do the will of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll never do your own will again or do the will of Satan. But when that happens, when you sin, you will immediately feel remorse and be broken, contrite, because you know that you have sinned against your heavenly Father, a holy, righteous God. And if you're saved, if you are regenerated, if you are a new person, a new creature in Christ, if you have been born again, then you should be turning from that sin almost immediately and crying out to God, confessing to what you've just done and begging him to put you back in line with his will. First of all, the gospel begins with God. You see, the whole problem really comes back to the nature of God. God is just. God is holy. God cannot violate his attributes. He cannot do something that contradicts himself. He is a righteous God. Now, that is a good thing. It would be terrifying to know that this universe was created by an evil God, an omnipotent God that was evil would, would be absolutely terrifying. So it's good that God is just, but then it presents also another problem. If God is just, what does he do with us? Let me illustrate the problem for you. A few years ago, I was in, uh, in Europe and I was going to speak at a university and the, I knew that the crowd was really going to be against me. And they all had this idea that this uh, social dinosaur was going to come over with some Puritan 
type message and tell them that they were all sinners. And so when I walked out on the stage, I was really praying, Lord, please help me. And I feel like he gave me some wisdom. Um, I looked at this crowd of university students and I said, I am going to share with you the most terrifying truth in the scriptures. And I, I, I kept telling them and warning them, I'm about to share with you the most terrifying truth that anyone could ever know about God. And so when they were all poised on the edge of their seat, I, I looked at them and I said, here it is. The most terrifying truth of scripture is that God is good. Now at that moment, they all kind of started laughing, snickering. It's like, what's the problem? Uh, some of them even voiced. They said, well, what's the problem with a good God? I mean, why is that bad news? Why is it terrifying that God is good? And my answer was this. It's terrifying to know that God is good because we are not. So what does a good God do with people like us, sinners? We've sinned against God. We've sinned against one another. We've sinned against nature. We've sinned against everything. All of creation calls for our condemnation. If God is truly just, then what does He do with us? If a just God simply pardons the wicked, He is no longer just. If a holy God calls the wicked to Himself to have fellowship with Him, He's not a holy God. So the great question of all the Scripture is this. How does a just God pardon wicked men and still be just? How does a holy God call wicked men into fellowship with Him and still be holy? And the answer is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. In the cross of Jesus Christ, we see this tremendous, unique revelation of the fullness of God's attributes. God is just. He must condemn our sin. God is love. And so He becomes a man in His Son, lives a perfect life as a man, and then goes to that tree. And on that tree, the sins of His people are cast upon Him. And all the justice of God, all the wrath of God that we deserve is thrown down upon the head of Christ. The exact measure that was required in order to fully satisfy the justice of God. After suffering, Christ said, it is finished. That meant he did what was required to satisfy God's justice against God's people. He paid the price in full. This is so very important to understand that it wasn't that, that our sins were atoned for simply because the Romans beat Jesus up and nailed Him on a cross. Our sins were atoned for because on that tree He bore our sin and it pleased the Lord. It pleased Yahweh to crush Him. The wrath of God that should have fallen upon me and you fell upon His only begotten Son and He suffered it in full. He paid the price. He died for the wages of sin is death and on the third day He rose again from the dead. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. And there is no other name, no other name in any other world. There is no other name uh, given to men whereby we might be saved except for the name of Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And in order to be saved, the Bible calls all men to repent of their sins and to believe the gospel. 
Now, what does it mean to repent? Many have defined the term as to change one's mind. That's what the word means in Greek, and, and that truth is there. But that means so much more than what you and I can conceive in our culture today. You think, well, to change one's mind, that's pretty superficial. Well, it might be, but then it's not if you understand what the mind is. The mind in the Bible refers to the, the mind, the heart. It is, very, it is the control center of a human being. It's the control center of our will, our emotions, our intellect, our decision-making process. And so what he's saying is, if you have changed your mind, everything else will change along with it. Let me give you a perfect description of repentance. The Apostle Paul, he had a change of mind. Now when he left to go on the road to Damascus, he left with orders to capture Christians. Now why? This is what he believed. This is what Paul thought. Paul thought that Jesus of Nazareth was the greatest blasphemer who ever had walked the planet. That's what he thought. He also thought that the Christians were a terrible sect that ought to be destroyed. That's what he thought. And then on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And what happened? His thinking changed. His entire reality was proved to be wrong. Everything he thought about reality especially with regard to God, was wrong. He recognized he was wrong and began to think completely different. He now thought, what? That Jesus was the Son of God and the long-awaited Messiah. He now thought that the Christians were the very people of God, the very Israel of God. And because his thoughts changed, everything else changed. After being baptized, he began to minister and to preach the gospel and to be persecuted for the very faith that he was once persecuting. You see, to repent is to realize that all your thinking, your entire view about reality was wrong. And then to see and to submit to God's truth about who he is, about who you are, and about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Now the question is, have you repented? Has your mind changed? Has that change of mind led to a change of the intellect, a change of the will, a change of your emotions? The sins you once loved, do you now hate? The holiness you once ignored, do you now desire? The Christ that you had no part with, that you lived apart from, do you now esteem Him? Do you consider the kingdom of heaven to be a pearl of great price? Those are certain evidences that a work of repentance has been done in your heart. Not only must we repent, but we must believe in Jesus Christ. To recognize that there is absolutely nothing in us that can save us. As the hymn writer said, nothing in my hands I bring, but only to the cross of Christ I cling. 
It is a recognition that you have only one hope, and 100% of that hope is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ, that you know that you cannot save yourself to the point that if someone were to even suggest that you would enter into heaven by some works of righteousness, it would cause you to be nauseous, and you would cry out, no, no, blasphemy, no. I am saved for only one reason. 2,000 years ago, the Son of God bled and died for me. So salvation comes to us through repentance and through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you truly believe in Christ, you have eternal life. But how do you know you have truly believed? Even if you've had some sort of conversion experience and you felt some sort of peace of God and, and so many other emotions, how do you really know it's real? Well, one of the ways that you know it's real is that it will continue. It's not that necessarily the emotional high will continue, but what will continue is you will continue to grow in grace. You will continue to deepen in your repentance. You will continue to deepen in your faith. Little by little, you will be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, Brother Paul, does a real Christian sin? Yes. Sadly enough, yes. Can a real Christian fall into sin? Yes. But here's the difference. A real Christian cannot live in a continuous state of carnality, a continuous state of, of immaturity. Because the Bible says, He who began a good work in you will finish it. The Bible talks about in Hebrews 12 that one of the greatest signs of true conversion is that God will watch over you with loving parental care and He will even discipline you, chastise you when you turn off the path. Not because his attitude toward you has changed, but because he loves you and he desires your holiness. You see, once you become a Christian, you become a part of God's providence and he who began a good work will finish it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God is just, that man is radically depraved and worthy of all condemnation that in order to forgive men, God's justice had to be first satisfied. And that was done on the cross where Christ stood in the law place of His people, bore their sin, and was crushed under the full weight of God's wrath against them. On dying, He paid the price in full. He has risen from the dead, and now all men everywhere may be saved through faith, through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And the evidence of that repentance unto salvation and that faith unto salvation will be the continuing work of God leading to holiness. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting Scripture the bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 2911 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. Ratings. We don't need no stupid ratings. You're listening to Witness Radio with Ryan Muriak. <coughs> but we like Ryan. <coughs> We do!
just go to witnesstalkradio.org. We, we live in a day where it means almost nothing to be a Christian. According to research, almost four out of every five Americans identify themselves as Christians. Four out of five. But in this group of self-proclaimed Christians, less of... Less than half of them are involved in church on a weekly basis. Less than half of them actually believe the Bible is true. The overwhelming majority of them don't have a biblical view of the world around them. So researchers went even deeper then to distinguish men and women who are born-again Christians as if there's any other kind of Christian. But these are people who say they've made a personal commitment to Jesus They believe they'll go to heaven because they've accepted Jesus as their Savior. And according to research, almost half of Americans, so half of Americans are born-again Christians. But you look at this group of born-again Christians, and researchers found that their beliefs and lifestyles are virtually indistinguishable from the world around them. Many born-again Christians believe that their works can earn them a place in heaven. Others think that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Some believe that Jesus sinned while he was on earth. And an ever-increasing number of born-again Christians just describe themselves as marginally committed to Jesus. So people have used data like this to conclude that Christians are really not that different from the rest of the world. But I don't, I don't think that interpretation of that research is accurate. I think the one thing that's abundantly clear from those statistics is that there are a whole lot of people in our country who think that they are Christians, but they are not. There are scores of people here and around the world, who culturally identify themselves as Christians and biblically are not followers of Christ. Have you been born again? The answer would be no? No. No, I wouldn't be. And you have no idea what born again means or anything? I do know what it means. Okay, what does born again mean? I guess where you lose your faith and kind of find it again uh, later in life. That's kind of my understanding of it. Okay, okay. Um, Well... The, uh, the context uh, does come from the Bible. Uh, in John chapter 3, uh, Jesus is talking to uh, one of the spiritual leaders, uh, Nicodemus, and he says, uh, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can't go to heaven unless you're born again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to figure out if people actually know what that term means and what it means to be born again. Uh, you said that it is when you lose your religion and then you get it back again. That is not uh, what the context is uh, in the Bible. The context is, uh, says that we have all sinned against a holy, righteous God, you know, whether it's lying or stealing or doing anything, basically against the Ten Commandments. Uh, and it, the being born again part is when we uh, die to ourselves and we live for God. The way to do that, Jesus said, is repent and believe the gospel. Uh, are you familiar with what the gospel is? Yeah. What, what is the gospel? Uh, isn't it the teachings of Jesus written in the New Testament? Or would that be the Old Testament? I can't remember. I'm, I obviously haven't read the Bible in a very long time. So. Not a problem. Uh, so the gospel is uh, the good news, is what it means. I mean, uh, talking about uh, when Jesus came to this earth, he lived a perfect, sinless life, and then he died on the cross to pay for the sins of mankind, and he rose three days later, defeating death and offering everyone an opportunity to go to heaven. 
uh, because the only other option is hell. And the Bible makes it clear that we all deserve hell. And that's why it's good news. That's why it's a gospel message. So it's the teachings of Jesus through uh, his disciples, right? It's the New Testament? It's the, the, it, it is the New Testament. It's the action of, of what Jesus did here on this earth, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, so have you ever heard someone uh, tell you about the gospel or the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I mean, I went to church my first 18 years of my life, so I, every, pretty much every Sunday, so I'm pretty familiar with Christianity as a whole, so just, you know, not the specifics, I guess, but... Let me ask, why did you stop going to church? Oh, I don't know, I guess it just kind of like, some things happened, and I just kind of lost interest in it, and it didn't feel like it was something that uh, fit with what I believed, and so I just kind of parted ways from it, and it never really came back into my life okay so let me ask what uh what beliefs do you have now uh i'd probably say that they're still pretty much in line with christian values i mean i was born and raised christian values all my family members are all very religious and uh so i'd say in a sense i still follow christian values i just don't necessarily believe in the bigger idea of it so, well, let me let me ask that question again, but in a different way, uh, and see if we can uh, narrow something down here. Uh, who is or what is your God? Who or what do you follow? I don't really follow anything. I I don't really have a God. I guess. Well, that's not necessarily true. I'm more of a I'll figure it out when I die kind of guy. Like I just I don't know. It's just not something that's really important to me right now in a sense and it's not something that I really feel I need to devout any time towards because it's 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 I'll figure it out when I die I guess it's my whole view on all of that so okay. well, uh, real quick before we part ways uh, the Bible says that it is appointed for man once to die and after that comes judgment mm-hmm. so immediately after you die there's no deciding mm-hmm. it, it's judgment day at that point oh, I know. And so if you were to die today, chances are you'd be going to hell. Let me, let me take you through a quick test. Have you ever lied? Of course. Have you ever stolen? Of course. The Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire mm-hmm. and no thief will enter the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So based on, based on that, the Bible says you're going to hell. Does that concern you at all? Well, I guess I hope... Uh... God's either having a good day or uh, he's not there. So, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, going back to what I was talking about before, being born again and the gospel, you know, that's why Jesus came to earth, to, to take your place and my place on the cross. We've all broken God's law. We've all lied or stolen. I have, you have. And the Bible says that if we turn from our sinfulness... And put our trust, not just believe in him mentally, but put our trust in Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Then you can be saved from hell. You can have eternal life. You can be born again. So does that make any sense to you? Yeah, of course. Well, what was your name one more time? Alexander. All right. 
Alexander, I want to thank you for talking to me on Witness Radio. And uh, I want to urge you to to get right with God, to be born again before it's too late, okay? Before Judgment Day. When are you going to die? I hope hope not before I own a V10 sports car. (laughs) Okay, but could it be today? Oh, yeah. Get right with God today, okay? Thank you so much. Thanks. Let me give you something real quick. You're listening to Witness Radio. I want to remind you all to be praying for the wonderful saints that are going to be ministering at the Super Bowl outreach this weekend. This annual event is put on by Sports Fan Outreach International, sfoi.org. There's going to be like a hundred Christians going out there to preach the biblical gospel in the streets of San Francisco, and I urge you to pray for them diligently. There's going to be so much hostility towards the gospel message while they're there, and the football fans are going to hate these men and women that will be proclaiming the truth of God's word to them. The Super Bowl is such a dark place. I mean, I don't know if any of you have seen the reports about Super Bowl being one of the biggest hubs of sex trafficking business every year. The fact that slave trading happens there is appalling. But thanks be to God for these faithful men and women that are willing to speak the truth in love at this event. Hopefully, those that are involved with the buying and selling of people will be saved. Please pray. Pray for protection. Pray for openness to the gospel. Pray for humility of the saints. Pray that the message would be heard loud and clear, and not only to the people on the street, but maybe even on camera, broadcasted to the nations. That would be a wonderful thing. So again, please, pray for the saints that are going to be in San Francisco this weekend, preaching the gospel at the Super Bowl. And if you want more information about Sports Fan Outreach International and all of their sports outreaches, go to sfoi.org. If you enjoyed this episode of Witness Radio, please rate it and share the show with others. Until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you. Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.